The reason why I joined Life Group is because I wanted to get out of my comfort zone with the church. So do you know this feeling? You walk into church, you love, you love what you see. You love the praise, you love the worship, you love the message, but there's still something missing. I am the type of girl that likes to just come in and learn the message and pray and just go about my day. And I'm like, you know, I need to start being more involved and in trying to start making connections with the people around me at the church. So even though we go to church and we feel the spirit and we leave church still looking for something else. I think we've all felt that at one time or another, um, whether you go to a big church or a small church, it's a common feeling and I think there's a remedy for it. I think it is a life group because it'll be a lot more like family, a lot more love, a lot more close-knit family. And you'll, you'll find friends that'll be true friends for the rest of your life. If you join a life group, you'll find out that there's more to life than just all the stuff that just harms us, takes our joy away every day. Just join one, try. And it's also been just a great bonding experience. It's kind of helped me to, you know, know familiar faces at the church. Um, it's kind of opened me up more as a person to want to talk about different things and be more interactive. We laugh, we joke, and we all hear crazy funny stories about each other. You really get to learn how you have a, a kind of like a deep connection with people in your life group. And, and it's kind of like you create your own little family within your life group. Yeah, if you've thought about doing life group and you're like, uh, I just don't know. I say do it. Just join it and try it. I was one of those people. I was like, uh, I don't know if this is for me. This is not really something that I do. And I did it and I think it's one of the best things I could have done. I've been part of a life group since we started at Three Oaks. What I found is that there's been times, there's been days when I was tired and I didn't want to go. And that little voice in my head was saying, just it's no big deal. You don't have to go every single time. It's been in those nights that I've walked away thinking, I can't believe I almost didn't go. Because it seems to me that it's in those nights that God says, I've got something for you. Trust me, show up and see what I've got. And it's been those nights that have just been incredible. Just this explosion of faith and everybody shares and testimonies come out and walls come down and it just... It, it'll just blow your mind at how hungry people are to share and share, share life together and share their faith and their testimonies. So do yourself that incredible favor and join a life group. Amen. I, we want to show you that. How many love our life groups? You love being in a life group? I want to encourage you to check it out over the next couple of weeks. There are going to be sign-ups starting next week. Uh, for you to check out which group to get in. We hope you will. It's always absolutely life-changing. So uh, check it out. Get involved. It makes a big, big difference. The last thing I want to say really quickly, and we're going to get into the Word, is this. And if you're a visitor today, make sure you stop on your way out at the welcome table, at the welcome counter out there. You'll see the green balloons. We have a gift for you. We just want to say thank you for coming and being a part of Three Oaks Church. We love you incredibly. So as a matter of fact, everybody now, can we just welcome all of our visitors, all of our guests? We're glad they're here. Well, 
over the last few weeks, we've been talking about restoration. And it's interesting what God is doing in all of our lives. And you know, as, as I dig into the Word, it, this has been one of those times where I talk, it, you, you say it's a series, and usually in a series, I know in advance kind of where it's going. And, and this one has been like, no, I don't know. Last night, I had it all finished, all ready, and about 8 o'clock, all gone. Time to start over. And, uh, and it's fun when God does that. But today, God really put a story out of the Word in my heart that I want to unpack with you just as briefly as I can, but without not giving you the meat of what you need today. Because I am thankful that in this place, God starts moving way before pastor steps on the platform. I love that about this house. But if you would, stand with me on your feet as we get ready to read the Word of God together. There's two passages I'll look at today. The, the passage that we started this teaching on is found in Psalm chapter 85. Psalm chapter 85, uh, verses 4 through 6. Psalms 85, verses 4 through 6. They'll be on the side walls as well. It says, Restore us, O God of our salvation, and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? I love that passage because it speaks very clearly to me when you look at the context about who we are and where we are. Now, I'm not going to dwell on that very long because we've talked about that for the last two weeks. I want to step forward into another passage that I think will uh, help you see what I think the, the Spirit of God is trying to speak to us today. It's found in the book of John. We're going to jump over in the New Testament. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, some of you are reading a different translation, and you're not seeing those scriptures. If you're not seeing it in a, a newer translation, I want to I talk about that for a second because that can be confusing. But we'll do that in a moment. Verse 5. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. There's some powerful clues in this about how we awaken ourselves and how we become the church that God needs us to be. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments of time, Lord, I pray that you'll begin to speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that this is fresh word into each of us. 
And Lord, I pray this, that as this seed is sown into the lives of your people, God, individually, we know that we receive differently. But Lord, Lord, we know that through your word, that your plan for each person that's hearing this and that's in this room and that's watching this, that Father, your plan for them is unique. And that Lord, the word that you have for them today is for them personally. And Father, I pray this, that this word, this seed, would bring back a harvest of good in each of our lives. That, Father, we would be who you've called us to be. And I pray this as always, when we leave this place today, that we would leave here changed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, as I get started, uh, usually I like to tell some funny stories and kind of break into this. But, you know, for sake of time, I want to jump right in to what, uh, what the Lord has for us. And I think the subject matter and the point that needs to be is this, that today is the day. Today is the day. And you're going, what does that even mean? Can you just tell your neighbor that, right? Today's the day. I don't know what he means, but today's the day. Today is the day for your expectations to be met. Isn't that a nice idea? It is. And this story that we read in the scripture is one that's going to teach us some of the steps that we need to be revived in our hearts and in our spirit. Too long have believers sat back and, and there's no difference between us and those that aren't, that aren't saved. That our lives don't look that much different. We don't have much more hope than anybody else when we should be the people of hope. And today as we read this scripture, I want to point out some things that I think are going to help us tremendously to understand exactly what God is trying to do in us and in this moment. Because the reality is, is that your life and your time and this place that God has you in in this moment is precious. And as spoiled children, as we all are, we tend to take advantage, we tend to uh, take for granted the time that God's given us. You know, why do today what we can put off until tomorrow? And spiritually, we've done that. And, And the reality is for us in our world today that the issues that we see around us, the challenges that we see, the the challenges on our freedoms are because We've put off what we need to do today and said, let's wait till tomorrow when it's easier. So today as we dig into this, I hope you'll take this to heart and that this will speak to you like it's spoken to me. Because when I think of restoration and I think of this, first we have to understand biblical restoration is not bringing you back to or bringing something back to what it was once. It's better than it was. And I want to tell you that when we talk about restoration, we talk about God getting you back to where you need to be. I first want you to get this expectation that it's not going to be this place where, oh, you know what? Life was pretty good, you know, a couple of years ago. Life was pretty good at this point or this point. And you get to the place where you say, you know what? No, when God restores me, it's going to be better than it was before. And I think that's important to to wrap our heads around to understand primarily when we come out of this. But to be awakened, to be alive, to be restored, to step into a place of revival in our own lives, there's a couple of questions. What is the hindrance? What is the hindrance that keeps us from taking that step? 
You know, today when worship was going on and, and you could feel the presence of God very thick and you could just feel God doing something, you know, some of you, if, if statistic would stay true, is this. Some of you in this room probably felt a tug of the Holy Spirit in your life and you didn't know what to do with it. You might have even felt like God was saying, take a step. When, when Grant Ross said, step out to the side of your seat or step out, perhaps some of you thought, thought man, maybe I need to do that, but you didn't. And the question is, what is that? What is the hindrance that keeps us from that? Uh, another way to say this, what is the resistance? What is the resistance that keeps you from stepping into what God has for you? And we can come up with excuses all day long, but I think this story in the New Testament speaks incredibly of what might be the biggest issue. And let me paint it for you like this. I believe it's our line of sight. It's what we see. It's what we're focused on. See, let me, let me say it like this. If you're focused on the news all the time, you're not going to be focused on hope. You're going to be focused on fear. You're going to be focused, well, what's next? It's crazy. I can't, you know, it, can it get any crazier? Can I answer that question? Yes, it can. <laughs> if you, it, it can. And It might. But the thing you need to understand is if that's what you're focused on all the time, you might miss that miracle moment that God has for you now. If you're focused on different things in your life, if this goes across the board, it depends on what you're focused on. And if you're having resistance, if you're feeling this, then what I'm telling you is that perhaps you have been focused on the wrong thing. So let's look at this in, in the Word. When we see this in John chapter 5, we see this story. This, this man has been at this pool. He's been sick 38 years. It doesn't tell us how long he's actually been at this pool and coming here. But he's been coming here with this tiny hope that just maybe, just maybe, whatever's going on in that pool will bring me healing. Just maybe there's this off chance. But can I tell you, after 38 years... I can only say this, that maybe that hope was only a speck. Maybe what he was doing was more out of habit than it was out of hope. And I think sometimes that really relates to us because sometimes, let's be honest, when life is hard and it's not, you know, we're not seeing a breakthrough like other people see or we're not seeing healing like somebody else saw or we're not walking in blessing like somebody else was walking in blessing and, and we see that and Pretty soon we get to that place where we're like, I don't know, maybe God's not going to do that. And yet we come and we sit in a pew, we sit in a chair, we sit in a church somewhere, and we sit there. But instead of having the hope, that, God, that expectation, that that next move, that next thing where we're in the presence of God and everything changes is going to happen in that moment. And instead of that expectation, it's almost like we're checking off the checklist of, well, I did this and God didn't show up for me. 38 years, that's a long time. That's longer than some of you have been alive. It's like a quarter of how long some of you have been alive. But the reality is that this speaks to who we are. I want you to know there's a reason why scripture is here, why it's brought to us, because we all can relate to this in some manner. Perhaps you've never experienced the moving of God in your life. Maybe you've never even really received Christ. Or maybe you've served God for a long time. But if you've served God long, you know that there are seasons 
that's a little more difficult than others to stay on fire, so to speak. But that's life. And if we don't understand the relation here, we can get lost in it. But when we look at this, I think it's fascinating. Because here they are. First of all, the first thing I want to show you is that this happened at a place, the pool at Bethesda. All right. Now, uh, Grant Ross and I had the opportunity. We were speaking in uh, several, several different nations. And uh, one of the stops that we made was Tel Aviv. And while we were in Tel Aviv, we, we took a few days and went to Jerusalem. Because if you're in Israel you'd be crazy not to stop by the holy city, right? And, uh, so, and we were exploring. But the place where we were staying was a really tall, tall hotel. And, and <laughs> I'll never forget, we went in not thinking anything because we're Americans, you know. It's like uh, we do everything every day. They don't even close church on Sundays or close things on Sundays, you know. It's like or on Wednesdays. You remember when we grew up, everything shut down on church days, you know. And we don't do that anymore. So we get there. And I think we got there on a, a Friday night, if I can't remember right. But what I do remember is this, is that we're way up on the floors where our room is, and we get on the elevator. And, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I'm impatient by nature. I'm not. Anybody, anybody like that? Any, okay. It, the person sitting beside you, are they of that nature? That's probably easier, right? Y'all, y'all a bunch of liars. But anyway, um, so we get on the elevator, and this elevator is stopping at every floor. And you're like, there's nobody there. Why is it stopping here? You know, I want to get down. I mean, here, you know, it's here in Nashville, you know, it's like most of the buildings we go into are maybe seven or eight floors, you know. And there's all these floors. You're like, oh, dear Lord, we're never going to, what is going on? And there's this frustration building. So finally, we are informed at some point that, well, it, it's Shabbat. That's the Shabbat elevator. I'm like, the What? The Shabbat elevator, what is that? Is that a mechanical thing? Is that, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to know these things, apparently. And basically, it's on Shabbat. It's, it's a holy day for the Jewish people. And they're not supposed to do any work on Shabbat. So part of that work, apparently, is pushing a button. So the elevator stops at every floor. Now, there's something powerful about this because now what we find is that this miracle that God performed happened on Shabbat. It happened on the Sabbath. So what we'll find here is there's some really powerful things that I want to show you because sometimes our religiousness gets in the way of God giving you the miracle moment that he has for you. But first of all, this place at Bethesda, what a, it's a fantastic story, but Bethesda in Hebrew, what it basically says is a place of outpouring. And what I want to tell you that today, what I'm bringing to you is to tell you that we are in a moment where God wants to pour himself out. You're in a moment of outpouring, but it depends. Are you going to see or are you going to be focused on the wrong thing? Let's look and see what I'm talking about. Okay, so in verse 3. It says, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Remember I told you that some of your translations would be skipping this scripture and verse uh, 4. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water that, that whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Let me just speak to that for a minute because that particular part of the scripture, why it's not in your NIV, they're not trying to get rid of scripture. Okay, I want to make that very clear. 
what they have done in that is they find in the early writings, in the earliest manuscripts that they find of the Pauline writings, they find that this was not in there, okay? However, what happens is later in the scripture, you hear him talking about this man was at the pool, right? The pool of Bethesda, they're talking about it. So what they've done, the historians, in my opinion, the historians have came in and said, we need to give them context of what was going on in that moment, and they put that in there. Now, whether that was a good idea or a bad idea, who knows? But I just want you to understand the context there. It really doesn't change the context or the meaning of the scripture, but it does give you a little more depth because basically what it's letting us know that this was, it could have been a legend. It could have been, it could have been a thought that, hey, if people go into the water, they're going to be healed. Who knows? Because the Bible does not give us clarity on that. But I want you to understand what it's talking about. Here's why I wanted to tell you that. Because the people at that pool, I love Charles Spurgeon talked about this once in, in one of his messages, and, and I, I remember reading this. And the people at the pool were laying there with a hope and their expectation on something that might happen, a legend, something that maybe could have happened. Maybe it was a miracle that had happened years ago. And now they're focused on the stirring of the water. And here's what's fascinating to me. Because right after that, it talks about Jesus is walking in and he's walking among all of these people who are needy. Have you ever thought, then why did Jesus go to one person? All those people are sick. All of them are hurting. All of them are struggling. And what, Jesus, you're going to pick one dude out of all those guys. You're going to pick, well, that doesn't even sound fair, does it? But he goes to one guy who has been there 38 years of infirmity, of sickness. And he looks at him, and he starts communicating with this man. I think this is important to see, and an important note, and if we don't get very deep into this, I at least want you to grab some of these, because it says, a certain man who had an infirmity day 30 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Do you know the way you read can change how you see things. Because, you know, if you read that, it's like, okay, Jesus walks up to this guy's like, really, dude, you're here? Don't you want to be made well? You know, it can be a snarky comment or something like that. But I, I believe in this section, what we're being told is Jesus started a line of communication with this person. For some reason, out of all these people, Jesus comes up and there was a connection immediately. And he saw him out of all of them and went to him. And walks up to him and says, do you want to be made well? Now what we find out later in the story, this man didn't even know who Jesus was. Because after this miracle, he goes in and they say, well, who did this? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> the dude told me to pick up my mat and walk. What would you do? <laughs> you know? And here's the thing. He didn't know who he was. But something clicked. And what is that click? I think because when we come into the presence of God and our focus gets off of everything else and off legend and off all these things and our eyes get on the power of what is capable through the touch of Jesus, through the very words of Jesus, anything can happen and our expectations won't only be met but exceeded. That man went there at that pool and was probably dropped off. I don't know how that worked for them, but all I know is he was there with this probably hopeless mindset of like, I might as well go, but nobody will get me down to the water once the water's stirred. 
So he had to be hopeless. And let me tell you something. Some of you have been in church your entire lives. And you come in, and when you're honest, you sit in a chair, you sit in a pew, and you have a hopeless mindset that I've heard stories about the greatness of God. I've heard stories about outpouring. I've heard story about revival. I've heard about miracles, but I've never experienced those. So at some point, we begin to disconnect from the miracles of God. And I know, you know, it's funny, I really intended this to be lighthearted. But anyway, when I come to this place and I, and I look at this and I say, what does this apply to us? I believe that in this moment, there is a miracle moment. I believe there is a miracle outpouring moment that God has for his people. And he's attempting to pour it out. And the problem that I want you to see, it's, I said that wrong. He's not attempting to pour it out. He's pouring it out. But as he's pouring it out, your attention is somewhere else. And you don't even see it happening. And then you wonder, well, why isn't God doing that for me? Because you're not even aware. Because you can't see it. Because your focus is somewhere else. Why was the, what was the difference? Why was Jesus drawn to that person? We can take some ideas from the scripture and we can look at this. And here's what I think. I think, and I think that as he walked in there, everybody else apparently was focused on the water. They were looking for that moment because they wanted to beat everybody else. This is why they think that this might, might not have been a, a, a Christian or a God kind of moment in the pool is that it had more likeness to, uh, to Islam, some of the things that they believed in that moment. There's, some, there's a lot of stuff right there. But because God doesn't want you to compete for your miracle. God's not, that's not who God is. So anyway, but so they're sitting there and they're waiting because it's a race. It's like once the angel stirs the water, we got to get down there. And can you imagine the chaos of that moment if that happens? And all of these people who want to be well. Can you imagine a bunch of crippled, lame, and sick people all fighting to get to the water? <laughs> that would be a sad picture. But yet, when Jesus walks up, the son of the living God, with the power to heal, he could have spoke over that entire courtyard, and every one of those people had been healed. But he didn't. I found that so interesting. But here's what we learn. For whatever reason, Maybe it was because of this man's hopelessness. Maybe it's because he just didn't know what else to do, what other step to take. And he had just kind of said, I don't know, I almost want to give up. But he walked, Jesus walked onto the scene and he sees this man. And for whatever reason, while everybody else is focused on the water, he makes eye contact with Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to be made well? Man, that's a powerful question. Because we can turn that around. Because if Bethesda is a place of outpouring, I want to tell you something. Maybe Jesus is asking the same question of his church right now. Maybe he's asking you that question. Do you want to have my spirit poured out upon you? Do you want a Bethesda moment? Do you want that? Do you want to be made well? Do you want your healing of your emotions? Do you really want to walk in the fullness of who God called you to be? Do you really want a revival? Because I can tell you something. I believe most people like the idea of revival, but we don't like revival. Because it's uncomfortable and it's never what you think it is. That's what's crazy. But he 
ask the question, I think it pertains to all of us today, is this, is, listen, we become blinded to what the possibilities are around us. Because I'm here to tell you something. Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here. And you know what the truth is? You can be in your car driving home today, or you can be at work tomorrow. You can be in a private place, whatever. I'm just telling you, there is a Bethesda moment wherever Jesus is. And the Bible tells us that because he died and he rose again and ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to walk with you every day, not just in a church service, but every single day. So your Bethesda moment can happen at any time. But you... You've got to want it. You've got to look at Jesus and say, it may work for everybody else, but Jesus, I need you. I don't want to look at the water. I want to look at you. All those people were waiting for a miracle, but only one looked to Jesus. Who are you looking to today? Who are you looking to to get you out of your trouble? Who are, you, who are you looking for? What are you looking for? Are you waiting for the government to bail you out of your issues? Are you waiting for a more convenient season for an outpouring in your life? Because <laughs> people do. Are you waiting for God to give you a dream or a vision and said, now it's time? Some of us sit in our chairs and we sit in our homes in our prayer times and we're doing our religious stuff. And God said, would you stop with the religious stuff and just ask me to move? Would you just love me enough to put that stuff aside? Because here's the deal. Here's why I love that he did this. And a lot of the miracles he did was on Sabbath. Do you know why? Because he wanted to remind people that the Sabbath wasn't made for, for God. It was made for us. And what he's trying to say in that moment is, why would God not do something good on a day? Because the issue that the religious people had with the man that was healed was because after he was healed, he picked up his mat and walked. See, because religion says, don't do it that way. Don't do this. Don't do that. But what he's saying is, look, let God do what he wants to do. Don't be so, so concerned with the rules that man makes and say, God, I just need you to pour your spirit into me. I need an outpouring in my life. I, I, I need that. Some of us are just waiting for the feeling to be just right. <laughs> but I think it comes down to that personal relationship that when that eye contact's made and we realize that Jesus has empathy for right where we're at. Because here's the truth. Every one of us are at different places in life. Every one of us are at different places of our level of faith and, and where we're at in our journey. And that's what's beautiful. Because God didn't call us all to be like each other. He called us to be more like him. And the beauty is, is that what's the journey, that's what the journey's about. We're all different. But that's what makes us strong. See, once upon a time, for some of you that don't remember, once upon a time, one of the great things about the United States of America is that we all came together, and because we were different, that's what made us better. But now we just want everybody to be exactly the same. I'm just here to tell you in the spiritual journey of following Jesus that your differences are what God looks at and says, that's, I created you to be weird, right? It's like, that's what I like. 
I like that God created us to be that way. And at some place we have to realize that we've got to stop waiting for the wrong things and start looking to Jesus because he's already here and he's already ready. Some people are waiting for a celebrity person to stand up and pave the way for them. Can I tell you the truth? I don't think it's going to be a celebrity that paves the way for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I think it'll be a person that gets their own self out of the way. Because that's how God moves. He always takes the, the, the distant. He always takes the outlier and uses them. That's what's beautiful about what God does. So let me just give you a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to give you four real quick as we get ready to go here is this. Four keys that I found for you that I think are important if you're out of John chapter 5. Number one, recognize your situation. Recognize what's going on. You need to recognize whether you're asleep to your faith or not. You need to recognize, is your life more like the world or more like Christ? You need to recognize the fact that, you know what, you know, I've made too many compromises. You need to be honest with yourself and recognize what state am I in? Am I asleep? Because I'm going to tell you right now, you know if you are or not. I mean, you, we can put on a good show. We can come to church and do all the stuff and worship starts and you can lift your hands and you can do all that stuff. But you know whether or not you're where you need to be. And that's what I want to encourage you today is you can be where you need to be. You can just make a choice and say, you know what? I'm not going to get stuck in the muck and the mire of all of my yesterday stuff and all the sadness and all the guilt and all the anger. No, no, no. I'm shedding all that stuff and I'm getting my eyes off of all that negative stuff and I'm putting my eyes on Jesus and saying, now here is the change for me. It's time to be different. So recognize your situation. This is what happened for the man. Number two, you need to focus on the miracle moment in front of you. Today could be your Bethesda moment. Today could be your place of outpouring, but you've got to focus on that miracle moment instead of everything else around you. The third thing that this man did, believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe. I want you to remember how much, as we know so much about Jesus, we've been taught so much about our faith through the Gospels and all these things, but yet this man had apparently no concept, to my knowledge. But yet, he walked up, Jesus walked up, and this guy saw him, and for whatever reason, he believed. Maybe he was just hopeless, and he just needed somebody to encourage him. Maybe that's where he was at in life. Some of you know people who just need a word of encouragement. Some of you just, some people just need somebody to say, hey, it's going to be all right. God's got this. And if we could learn that we need to understand, we need to believe in Jesus, that he can do it. We need to believe in more than the 24-hour news cycle. We need to believe in Jesus. And the last one is this. You get a Pick yourself up and get going. Get moving. Pick yourself up. I love this because the miracle didn't seem to be made manifest. He said, you're healed. Get up and pick up your mat. You know, I think too many times in our lives we're looking for God to do something amazing. 
We're looking for God to, to do some kind of miracle in our lives, and we all want this breakthrough. We all want this new level. We all want this power of God to move in our lives. And sometimes God's saying, I've already done it. I've already given it to you. You just got to step into it. But see, what you have to remember is this man obviously was trained up under Jewish ideas, concepts, and laws. And here, here's the seriousness of what happened in this moment. Do you know what the penalty was in that day to break the Sabbath law? To be stoned. And not stoned like 60s to 80s style. Stoned the painful way. And some of you are going, oh, he shouldn't have said that. Yeah, you didn't grow up like we did. But anyway. But here's what I need you to see is this, is that there was a heavy penalty that was on the line. And this man, God is healing. And he was spoken to. Jesus told him, you are healed. Pick up your mat. Pick up your bed and go. But there seems to have been have no hesitation to say, no, no, no. You like, I want my breakthrough greater than I want to be under the man's law. I want my healing more than I want some guy, some approval from somebody. And that's what I love about it. He picks up his mat and goes. Sometimes the miracle is in the action step that you take. And there's a scripture in Ephesians as I close. There's a scripture in Ephesians that in chapter 5, it says, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I love this. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I love this. Once God wakes you up, be careful because the enemy wants you to go right back to sleep. He does not want you awake. He does not want you being who, he's, who God created you to be. And you've got to understand something. We have got to break our focus off of the things of this world and get our focus on what truly matters, and that's the person of Jesus. Because that's the only thing that's going to change you. Listen to me, that's the only thing that's going to heal you. You know, when people come to me and say, Pastor, I just, you just got to help me. I'm like, I'll do what I can, but you need to understand, I can't change you. I can't heal you. I can't make you different, but Jesus can because he's your hope. Today, if you're hurting, today, if you're feeling lost and you're just kind of dead to your spiritual life, I'm here to tell you something that God's saying, your moment is here. Your moment is now. The question is, Will you take your eyes off of the water and place it on Jesus and answer the question that he's asking you? That's a powerful question, and it's a powerful choice. Today you can be changed. That's how awesome it is. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you're here today, you say, Pastor, you know what? I recognize in my life that I've kind of missed the mark. I have maybe had my mind and my eyes on the wrong things. And today, I, I don't want to miss 
my place of outpouring. I don't want to miss that Bethesda moment in my own life. And say, Pastor, that's me. I need, I need a refocus. I need a touch from God. If that's you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Pastor, don't forget me. This is what I need today. This is exactly what I need. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, hands going up, still going up. Just keep them up for a moment. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Amen. You can place your hands back down. Now I'm going to ask another question. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I know that I need Jesus today. That's the bottom line. I know that there's sin in my life. And today I need to get right with God. Today is that moment. And I need to lay it all down. I need to repent. I need to get right with Him. And if that's you right now and you say, Pastor, that's me. I just want you to slip your hand up right where you are. And say, I need to get right with God. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Amen. You could place your hands back down. Here's what I'm going to ask all across this room. Would you just stand to your feet right where you are? And I'm going to ask our altar workers and pastors that are available to make their way to the front very quickly as we get ready to pray for people and believe for miracles and to just speak over all of our friends. You know, there are moments and it's really easy to miss a moment. What will you do? Will you miss the moment that God has for you because maybe it's uncomfortable? I don't know, but if I needed God to do something in my life, I don't care what it takes. What about you? So let me do this very quickly. I want us to all bow our heads across this room. And we're going to pray this prayer. And if you're coming to Jesus, if this is your coming back to Jesus moment, whatever that looks like for you, just pray this prayer. We're going to pray it as a family all across this room. And you can just say it's a simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today I am forgiven and I'm a new creation. I belong to you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Love that. Amen. Here's what I want to do.